You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. It's great to be with all of y'all today and uh, here in the room at Baker. And then for those that are joining us via Zoom, so glad that you are joining us as well. Uh, this is a significant Sunday in the life of our church. And you heard Alice refer to it, Justin referred to it. I'm going to talk about it today because it's kind of a big deal. But this is our last Sunday here at uh, the Baker Center. And uh, next Sunday, we will be moving to our new church home on Red, at Red River Church Building. Yeah, around the corner of 45th and Red River. And uh, we are, like I said, we're real excited. Just, you just heard Alice whoop. That was, that was great, Alice. Thanks for that. And I'm sure that y'all all were doing that in your spirit, in your heart. And so that's, that is the feeling that we have today. And so because of the significance of this Sunday, we're going to hit pause on the uh, Sermon on the Mount series that we've been in for the last you know, six weeks. And we're going to take a minute, we're just going to do four weeks on a, a series to help us recognize and celebrate and think about how to respond to what God has done and what God is doing in the life of our church. Now, I'm going to call this series Kingdom Generosity. All right? Now, for the, anyone in here who's worried... This series is not a giving series. It's not about, I'm not about to ask you to give a lot of money. Uh, I think we did that in December and y'all responded and God responded. It was amazing. That's not what the point is of this series. Now, of course, if you are feeling spirits movement to go ahead and continue to give really generously, that's awesome. My Venmo account is, no, just, just kidding, just kidding. Now, the, the reason I'm calling this uh, kingdom generosity is because the point in this series is that I want y'all to understand, to recognize just how richly we have been blessed by the generosity of God and the generosity of God's people. And so I'm calling this kingdom generosity. I know it's a very churchy phrase, but we've been talking a lot about the kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount series. And, and what I mean by this is the kingdom generosity. It's just generosity that reflects the generous heart of the king, Jesus. And it's generosity that helps people experience the kingdom of heaven. And we, friends, we have been the recipients of that kind of generosity. And I just want to make sure that you know that or do you grow in your understanding of just how amazing, huh, how amazingly good God has been to us. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. And so this message is going to feel a little bit different than a normal sermon because usually I'm teaching through a passage of Scripture. Today, we're not going to really do that. Instead, I'm just going to apply a passage of Scripture, namely one of my favorite passages when King David is writing in Psalm chapter 9, and he just says this, We'll give thanks to the Lord with all of my heart. And I will tell of all of his wonderful deeds. That's what we're going to do this morning. You ever had that kind of experience where something, you know, you, someone does something for you or gives you a gift and like it just like you're just blown away by it. And so you want to you give thanks, give thanks with all your heart. But that doesn't seem to cut it. And so like you have to not only are you going to give thanks, but then you want to just tell everybody about what this person has done. Like I'm going to tell you of all of wonderful deeds. Of all the, you got to hear what happened to me. Like that kind of deal. That, that's, I think that's the heart of David in Psalm 9. And guys, that's, that's, what, that's how I feel 
today stand before you. Like, I just, I got to talk about what God has done. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. And what's funny is like I was thinking about Psalm 9 and I was thinking about what God has done and, and just this over, like overflow of thankfulness and wanting to talk about. And, um, you know, I was doing that all through December. And then on Christmas, I got this great picture of really what that looks like when my daughter was given a gift that she was so blown away by that she was like just overflowing with thankfulness and wanting to tell everybody about it. Now, many of y'all know that we actually gave our kids a puppy for Christmas, which is a great gift. That's not the gift that actually got her that excited. She loves the puppy, okay? But, but she had actually seen this giant four-foot stuffed animal sloth at a store back in the fall, and she had begged and begged and begged for it. Now, I don't know why, but a sloth is like her favorite animal. I and mean, it's, pretty, it's pretty funny. I, I don't know what that says about her. I don't know what that says about my family. I don't know, but that's her favorite animal. And she, so she sees the sloth. She's begging for it. Now, Krista and I are sensible parents. So we said what any sensible parents would say, no, there's no way you're getting a giant four-foot sloth. We're not going to buy that for you. But then in a very uh, moment, a huge moment of weakness, and Christmas parents were trying to ask about what they could get Della for Christmas, and we told them about the sloth. And we gave her permission to get it for her, and Della had no idea. And so when she opens their present, I mean, it was, it was awesome. In fact, it's so good, I want you to, I want you to see it. So. She continued to jump up and down, up and down, shouting, oh my goodness, until she finally runs out of the room and puts it on her bed and starts introducing it to all of her other stuffed animals. It was really great. But since that moment, like, she has not stopped talking about this sloth. Like, everybody in her class knows about it. Her teachers know about it. All of her friends know about it. She called my parents, told them about it. They actually came over. My parents came over last night. She runs in her room, not to get the puppy, but to get the sloth, to show them about it. And she's just like, you never, you will never believe what my... Mimi and Papa, what she calls my uh, Krista's uh, parents, my Mimi and Papa got me. This is absolutely incredible. And I just think that's an awesome picture of what it looks like whenever you have received a great gift. You just give thanks with all of your heart and you tell the wonderful deeds. And friends, uh, that's what I really want to do with us this morning. And I'm going to do that by sharing the story of Midtown Church. Because honestly, God has been incredibly generous to us, and God has moved through his people to be incredibly generous to our church from the very inception of our church to present day. And I want you to hear this because it's hard to be thankful for what, you don't, what you're not aware of, and I want you to be aware of it so that you will join me in giving thanks. And I want to tell you this because um, it, the generosity of others inspires generosity. And I, I want to encourage us to respond to generosity by being generous. And then I want to tell you this, friends, because the great lie of the devil, of the enemy, 
is that God cannot be trusted. But when you see the, the heart of God, his goodness and his generosity towards us, it helps counteract that lie because it is a lie. And God is good. And his ways are best. And so he can be trusted. And I don't want to tell this story. It's just it's further evidence of the goodness of God to help us trust him more. So we're going to have a little fun. Tell, this, tell our story. Hope that you enjoy this. Um, now, I'm going to start this story uh, all the way back to the very beginning. And I, like I said, I'm going to do that because God's been good to us from the beginning, but also because in order for us to grasp the significance and the extravagance of his generosity that we've received, you have to get how our story began. See, Midtown um, was planted or it was started in 2013, okay? But in all reality... Uh, the Midtown story, or what led to us being planted, actually begins all the way back in 1992. Now, I know that's ancient history for many of y'all. Many of y'all weren't even born in 1992. But we have to start our story there, because in 1992, God gave the leadership of a church in Northwest Austin named Hill Country Bible Church a dream, of a vision for planting churches. And uh, that dream was from God, our generous God, moving them to think about how to be generous with their church and their resources and their energy and their time in order to see the day when every man, woman, and child in our city gets to hear the gospel from someone who loves them. And so they began thinking about planting a church. Now, this is super significant, but I don't know if how many of y'all really understand the inner workings of church planting and all that involves. And so I, don't, I could deep dive on this. I have some experience, but I'm not going to like try to bore you. But there's a couple things I want to point out to you about this. Okay, first, first is it takes incredible generosity for the church leadership to plant a church. And here's why. Because... In order to plan a church, church leaders understand that they need to ask their people, the people that go to their church, part of their church, to actually prayerfully consider leaving their church. Now, I don't know if you know this, but um, most churches aren't interested in trying to get people to leave their church. They're trying to get people to come to their church, right? But when you're going to plant a church, church leaders are making a decision. No, no, I'm not going to be all about trying to get as many people to come to us. I'm actually going to ask people to consider leaving us to go to others. And not only that, but to plant a church, it's costly financially, it's costly time-wise and energy-wise and all that stuff. So there, it's incredibly sacrificial. You have to be generous with this kingdom generosity mindset to plant a church if you are in leadership of a church. But there's another side of it too. See, for a church to be planted, it requires individuals and families to consider, prayerfully consider, and be willing to go and actually plant that church. And I think that's actually the most sacrificial aspect of church planting, where individuals and family members hear the call and they actually consider well, will I leave this church that I love? And in many cases, leave relationships that I love? And leave a children's ministry or a student ministry that my kids love? And leave a permanent building 
to actually go and move into, most cases, an elementary school and start doing setup and teardown? Will I do that? Like, will, like <laughs> you get the picture? Like, it's incredibly, it takes incredible generosity for an individual family to decide to leave to go start a new church. But yet, people <laughs> consider doing that when they have this kingdom generosity mindset where they're like, you know, I want to reflect the heart of our king who didn't live to be served, but to serve, to give his life away. And so I'm going to be willing to do that myself. And friends, like, it's incredible, it takes incredible generosity from church leadership side, from individual side to go plant a church. And yet, because a generous God gave Hill Country Bible Church a vision to do that in 1992, in 1996, Hear this, 200, about 200 people from their church left to go start a church in Georgetown. 200 people. Hill Country Bible Church sent 200 people that they loved. And 200 people that loved Hill Country Bible Church left to go love people in Georgetown, Texas so that they could hear and they could feel and they could experience experience the love of God and they could they could hear the gospel from someone that is present in their community who loves them and cares about them has built trust with them so they can know that what they're saying though it's incredibly radically good news is actually also very true and they would come to faith as a result of this church plant thousands of people in Georgetown Texas have heard the gospel and lives have been changed, and marriages have been restored, and communities have been served. And guys, that part of Greater Austin has become a lot more like heaven as a result of the generosity of Hill Country Bible Church and the people who left to go start Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. It's a real original name. Um, my, dad, uh, my dad told me once... Um, there are uh, moments in time that set into motion a series of events that forever change the lives of many. There are moments in time that set into motion a series of events that forever change the lives of many. When Hill Country Bible Church planted that church in Georgetown, it was one of those moments. after planting that church, they began continuing to plant churches. They planted, the next church that they planted was a church in Pflugerville. And then I got to see kind of firsthand what that was like because it was my parents who left to go plant that church. My dad had been on staff for Hill, at Hill Country Austin, the first Hill Country church, for, uh, for like 12 years. They loved that church, they loved the people in that church, and yet they felt the call of God to go start a new church in Pflugerville because they wanted the people in Pflugerville to have a sustained presence in their community of Jesus followers so that others would get to hear the good news of the gospel from someone who loves them and that they could come to saving faith. And so they willingly, sacrificially, generously left Hill Country to start Hill Country Bible Church 
Pflugerville. Again, a very original name, even though there's, like, there's not a single hill in Pflugerville. Do y'all know that? Not, there, I mean, nowhere is there a hill, and yet they stuck with the name. It's very, it's very funny. But um, despite that terrible name, about 200 people went with my parents to start that church. Again, 200 people sacrificially, generously leaving a church they love to go start a new church for the sake of the people in Pflugerville. That's the incredible generosity. And then Hill Country, like after that, like things just started like snowballing when it comes to this kingdom generosity within our city because Hill Country kept planting church year after year after year. They kept planting. They planted one church that some of y'all are very familiar with called Hill Country Bible Church UT. That was like in 2003. And year after year, they planted a church. And then in 2007, something super significant happened. See, in 2007, Hill Country Bible Church Pflugerville planted their first church. In fact, in 2007, Hill Country Pflugerville planted two churches, a church in Hutto and a church in Round Rock. And it, then they kept planting churches. And now what you had is you had Hill Country, who planted Hill Country Pflugerville, that planted church in Round Rock and church in Hutto. You have a church that planted a church that's planting churches. And you have this snowball effect, though, even though it's so costly and requires so much sacrifice from leadership and individuals to go do this. They were willing to do it with joy. They gave of themselves for the sake of seeing the day when every man, woman, and child in our city would hear the gospel of someone who loves them. And it's just absolutely incredible. Fluville kept Hill Country kept planting. Fluville kept planting. Some of the churches they planted started planting. One of the churches that Fluville planted is us, Midtown Church. Now, that's our heritage. See, we were planted as a result of kingdom generosity. I don't know how many of y'all are aware of that, but huh, we owe our existence to the generosity of others. I think about Hill Country, Pflugerville. Huh, when they planted Midtown, <clears throat> they sent me and another guy, Adam Brunson, who were both pastors at that church, to go start Midtown. Now, Pflugerville is a decent-sized church, about 600 people. Uh, they had a staff of six pastors. They sent two of us to go start this church. A third of their staff they just released. It's very sacrificial. See that? In addition to that, they paid our salary for, two, for, for a whole year to help us have the time to actually kind of get a church up and running. It's an incredible sacrifice. In addition to that, they gave us permission to talk to anyone we wanted to in the church about coming with us. <laughs> and so we did. Krista and I sat down with couple after couple and, and individuals after individual about, hey, will you come and will you prayerfully consider coming with us to start church in Central Austin? Now, um, the ask that we were making, friends, was wild. Because... What we asked people to do is not just to start a church with us, as hard as that can be, and to leave a church that they love, as hard as that could be, but we actually asked people to sell their homes and move to Central Austin. That our ask was, hey, would you consider planting this church with us, and would you consider moving to Central Austin to do that? And what that would require of people in most cases, is to sell a good-sized home, to buy, or actually, in most cases, rent a much smaller home in central 
Austin because Central Austin is a lot more expensive than Pflugerville and the suburbs around there. And you know what's crazy? 38 people said yes to that. Can, 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 you, can you just wrap your mind around that? Can you picture, like, if someone sat down with you and said, hey, will you consider moving to another part of the town that's way more expensive to help us start a church, which means leaving a church that you love and relationships you love and, comf like, it's comfortable. They've got a building, great children's ministry, and they're going to start doing set up and tear down at an elementary school. Would you consider doing that? And you saying, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Because that's what happened. That's how our church came to be. Incredible kingdom generosity that reflects the heart of our God, our King Jesus, who gave himself a way that others could have life. Amazing. Like, I'm just blown away by, by that story. I, I, and I want you all to be aware of that. I don't know many of y'all, if you really have ever fully understood that. But you can't be thankful for what you're not, you don't know. And so hopefully now you know and maybe responding calls you to give thanks to the Lord with all your heart. As I get a chance to tell of all those wonderful deeds. See, um, we uh, owe our existence to people that most of you have never met and most of you never will this side of eternity. But... Um, I think about these people, Don and Norma Cunningham, Tim and Cindy Hawks, Dan and Kathy Box, Adam and Kendall Brunson, Dustin and Heidi Bruce, Kathy Miller, Sue Wright. I could go on and on and on. These people, extreme generosity, their heart not all set on themselves, but set on uh, seeing the day when every man, woman, and child in our city hears the gospel of someone who loves them, said, I'm willing to give myself away, my time away, my energy away, my life away for the sake of others. They lived out what Jesus had called all of his followers to do, which is with, to deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. As a result, we sit here today. Generosity of others is why Midtown exists. We were planted in kingdom generosity. And next Sunday, friends, we are going to be rooted in Central Austin by kingdom generosity. See, I don't know how many of y'all are aware of this part of the story, but when we started Midtown, we were completely committed to being in Central Austin. But we didn't have the ability to buy land or buy a building or whatever, right? You know, like, I think we'd have to win the lottery a couple times in order to be able to do that in Central Austin. So we, we started off at Briker Woods Elementary, and we were there for two years, and then we moved from Briker Woods Elementary to the Baker Center when Hill Country UT merged with our church. And so we did that right here in this room, August 2015. And then we were here for about two years, and then 
we got told by AISD, who currently had, was the ones who owned this building, that they were going to need to sell it. So we start looking for a new place to go, and we go to Lee Elementary. They never had a church ever allowed to meet in their building, but God opened the door for us to be able to, to go to Lee Elementary, and we, got, we were so excited. We were there for about six, six or seven months, and then summer hit, and they said, hey, we're going to need to do a massive renovation over the summer. We're, we need you all to find someplace else to meet. And so we then went back to the Baker Center and knocked on the door again and said, hey, like you haven't really sold this building yet. Can we come back for at least the summer? And they said, yeah. And so we came back to this building for the summer and for a little bit beyond the summer because the renovations at Lee took a little bit longer than it was supposed to. But we stayed here, and then they finally sold it to Alamo. So we had to get out, and we went back to Lee Elementary. And we were at Lee for a little while longer, for about a year and a half, and then COVID hit. And we were thrown out because, you know, all the schools shut down. And we were completely homeless for about eight months just doing church over Zoom. Like we still might have, um, you know, many people doing that right now. And others of us here, like, have horrible memories of doing that. And so, but anyways, we um, came back to Alamo. Came back to Baker, opened by Alamo. There's a great story there I don't have time to tell. We've heard, some of y'all have heard it before, but Justin just kind of creeping around, looking at, trying to see, is there anyone here? And someone opens the door and says, what are you doing? And it turns out to be the landlord, Carrie League, who actually, Carrie and Tim own Alamo Draft, like they started all the Alamo Draft House. So she's like a celebrity, but we didn't know who she, like we didn't know what she looked like. And so it turns out it's Carrie. And so we start talking to her and she's like, oh yeah. And so fast forward, we were back in the Baker Center. Anyways, over the course of eight years, we've bounced around uh, six times, six different locations, or six different times we've had to move. Uh, it's been a whirlwind. It's hard to keep up with. And yet, God's been faithful to keep us in this part of town. However, we have been praying all the while that God would make a way for us to actually be firmly established, firmly rooted here in central Austin. And over the course of this fall, friends, God began answering that prayer in a really generous, crazy way. See, uh, the church, Red River Church, they had uh, been in decline for a little while, attendance-wise, participation-wise. Uh, and then COVID, uh, you know, didn't help with that. And so they were, you know, their, their congregation had really dwindled. But the truth is, um, they were doing all right financially. So they rent out a lot of their space, their, their property to a school and to a club, and they, they have money coming in. And so they, they, were, they would have been able to continue keeping on the way that they were if they chose to do that. That there was no pressure to where they felt like, okay, we have to sell because we're going under. They were, they were making it. And yet they felt the prompting of the Spirit of God, the very generous heart of God saying to them, guys, we, would y'all consider opening up your space for others to use? And they began praying about that, even though it would cost them a lot to do so. 
because they, the way that they felt God was leading them to do would require them to actually want to open their Sunday morning space for another church to, to use it. But they met on Sunday mornings. And so for them to give another church the space to use on Sunday mornings, it would need, they felt God leading them to, to dissolve their church, which is incredibly costly like on a relational side, on so much, so much side, like just, and it would mean that their pastor, Keith, he would actually like be out of a job. And yet Keith is one of the people in the, on the leadership of Red River making the decision of whether or not to do this. And in, in heart, out of a heart of incredible kingdom generosity, Keith, along with the rest of their leadership board, made the decision, you know what? We are not being faithful stewards of this property. And we need to dissolve our church and allow another church to come in and use this space for the kingdom of God. For the reaching people is more important than think, keeping things comfortable for us. And so we will give our lives, our time, and even our space away for the benefit of the kingdom. And so Keith and their, one of their other elders, Jeff, approached Justin and I and said, hey, would you consider moving Midtown to our building to meet on Sunday mornings? And we said, um, I guess we'll consider that. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely. We had lots of time of prayer with them, lots of time thinking through what that would look like. Eventually, in December, their board made the official offer to us to make their church building our church home. And we would move in to their time, Sunday mornings, and we would have a place that would be our permanent gathering place for worship here in central Austin. That's this incredible kingdom generosity. I am just blown away that they would willingly do that. I've been thinking a lot about this uh, passage that, if you remember back at the beginning of the message, Miley uh, read for us. In this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is talking or telling the church in Corinth about the incredible generosity of the churches in Macedonia, which are located just to the north of them. And here's, and the way that he describes those churches' generosity, I think is a very fitting way to describe the generosity of Red River Church. Now, I just want you to, I just want you to hear this again. In it, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1, he says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know, we want you to know about, hey, we, we want to make sure that you are aware of this, that we're aware of the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. That in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Like, we don't even understand what that means, right? Like, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about, Paul? That their that they're overwhelming, uh, overflowing joy and their extreme poverty reached, welled up into rich, rich generosity. But he says, like, that's, that's what describes the generosity of these churches. And he says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God 
also to us. Friends, that's what Red River Church has done for us. In the midst of a very severe trial, which I think is a very fitting way to describe, you know, a worldwide pandemic, um, Red River Church has chosen to give us as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And they made the decision entirely on their own. Why in the world would they do that? For the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they have exceeded our expectations. In an act of incredible kingdom generosity, they have given themselves first of all to the Lord. And then by the will of God also to us. And as a result, next Sunday, we will be permanently rooted in central Austin when we move into their building on 45th and Red River. How incredible is that? Yeah. And so you see how generous God has been to us. Do you see how generous God's people have been to us? It's because of the generosity of God and his people that our church was planted, and it's because of the generosity of God and his people at Midtown Church will be rooted in central Austin. Uh, <laughs> let's give thanks to God with all our hearts. Let's tell of all of his wonderful deeds. This is the only fitting way to respond to this. And it's just to say, God, this is, blows me away that you would treat us this way. Because here, you guys, hear this. God has not done this for us because we're awesome. I think you're awesome. I hope you might think I'm okay. But we didn't deserve this. And God did this for us because, of, because he's generous. Because he is a perfect father who loves to give good gifts to his children. God did this because it's an overflow of his heart. He is a generous and good God. And that he would choose us to pour this out on, and that is nothing but the grace of God. And friends, we respond by saying thanks. In fact, to go back to what I said at the beginning of the message and try to wrap this up with this, I would say there are three ways I would encourage you to respond to this. The first is to give thanks, to truly give thanks. And in a minute, Matt and Katie are going to come back up here, and we're going to sing praises to God. I would, think, I would ask that you would think of Della's response to a stuffed sloth, and you would just say, okay, I can't let her outdo my thankfulness to the kindness that he's been to me and to this church. And so we would respond with thanks. But off that, too, I would say, hey, don't, don't, uh, don't just stop with that. Tell people. Speak of his wonderful deeds. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your roommates, tell people what God has done. In our day and age, friends, the church has a terrible reputation. In many ways, the, churches of, the church in the West has earned that. We're known for division. We're known for competition. Because that is not our story. That our story 
reflects what Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17 when he prayed that of the church, that we, his followers, would be one just as the Father and the Son are one. And he prayed that so that the world would know that the Father sent the Son and the Son has loved them. And guys, our story is a reflection of that where church after church gave generously and sacrificially so that we could exist and so that we could be rooted in this part of the city. So let's tell people the wonderful deeds of what God has done and what God's people have done for us. It's a lot to talk about, and it gives God glory. Say thanks and speak of his wonderful deeds. The second thing I would say real quick and how do we respond is this, that we should respond with generosity ourselves. This is the Apostle Paul's point in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's telling the church in Corinth about the generosity of the Macedonian churches so that they would be inspired and moved to also respond with generosity. And as you hear how generously God and his people have been towards us, I pray that you would consider being generous as well with your lives, your time, your energy, yes, your money even, but like that you would say, God, no part of me am I going to hoard or keep to myself whatever you ask me to do. My hands are open to you. I will give myself away like you have. Jesus, you've freely given me life. Now I will give to others to be a blessing to others. Because here's what happens when that, when that's our attitude. When we give gener- generously, when we reflect the heart of the king who is generous, what happens, friends, is that the kingdom of heaven comes near. Because that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Because that's what the king is like. And we want Austin to become a lot more like heaven. And we need to become a lot more like Jesus. And Jesus is incredibly generous. So may the generosity, his generosity and the generosity of others move us to respond in kind. And the third way that I would encourage us to respond to this is to trust God. Again, the great, the great lie of the enemy in the garden is that God cannot be trusted. That he is not good. He is not looking out for you. He's wanting to withhold life and goodness for you. He cannot be trusted. Guys, that is a damned lie. From the pit of hell, it is absolutely not true. And the goodness of God to our church is just one in a million different (laughs) points of evidence that I could point you to as proof that it's not true. That God is generous and that he loves to give good gifts and his ways are best and life is found and joy is found and peace is found in him. My hope is that every Sunday starting next week when we gather to worship God in the Red River Church building, we will be reminded of his goodness and his generosity to us, and it would help counteract the enemy's lie. And we would say, no, look at this. This is another point of evidence that God can be trusted because his heart is good and generous. I hope that you will respond with greater trust in God as a result of this. 
Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.